Isaiah chapter 40. This verse was referenced this morning. Isaiah chapter 40. In verse 27 it says this. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by my God. This is a very important question that I believe we ask quite a bit in our life. Why do you complain? And why do you say my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by my God. The concept of God in the Old Testament is a very interesting thing. And I don't want to go too far into the Old Testament theology of how they viewed God, but God, Yahweh or Jehovah as we would understand, our Heavenly Father, was over His people. He was their God. And not only was His relationship tied to His people, but it was also tied to the land. You remember that when God promised Abraham that he would take him away from his father and he would give him his land that is not his own and, and he, left, he left his father, he goes to Israel, and at the time it was Canaan, and God was going to give him that land because the land, according to their beliefs and their thoughts, whoever owned the land was God of that land. So it was the Canaanites that owned the land. It was their gods, their Baals, their false idols, their false gods that owned the land. And they were in charge over the land. And so that's why they would sacrifice to Baal because he was the God who was in charge of all this stuff and fertility. And, and in order for you to have good crops, you got to please the God of the land. Israel also understood that God was tied to their land. And if you notice, land is very important in the Old Testament. Give you an example of this. Remember the story of Nahum, the, the officer that had leprosy and, and he was incurable. He was a great guy, but he was incurable. And, and, um, and so his, he was talking to his wife one day and his wife's servant who was kidnapped or taken from Israel, was there. And she said if he only knew the prophet, he would be healed. And so they convinced Nahum, go to the prophet and, and, um, and you'll find healing there. And so Nahum, he's like, you know, uh, all right. So he goes to the king and he says, hey, I want to go. If you don't mind, I want to go visit Israel. There's this prophet there who can... They say who has great healing powers. Would you allow me to go? And the king says, no problem, Nahum. I love you, man. You're a great guy. You're one of my best. So I'm going to write a letter for you, and I'm going to send you to go over and get healed by this prophet. So Nahum takes this letter, and he goes to the king of Israel. And the king of Israel reads this. And he's thinking, what in the world? Why is he putting this pressure on me? Like I'm God and I could heal him. And so Nahum is discouraged because, you know, the Israelite king is, is not wanting to help. He thinks it's a trap. So finally, Nahum's returning and the servant's like, man, go, go. And so finally he gets to Elisha's house. 
And he knocks on the door. Boom, 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 boom. And out comes the butler, his assistant. Nahum's getting ready, you know, because he's got all his, his uniform on. He's looking good. People around him, surrounding him. He's a very important guy. And he opens the door, and it's the prophet's assistant. And Nahum's like, what is going on? When someone of royalty comes, you send the prophet. And so the, the assistant tells Nahum, well, listen, just go and dip seven times in the Jordan River, and, uh, and my master said you'll be, uh, you'll be healed. Thanks. Have a good day. He gets furious. How dare this guy at least have the nerve to come to my face and tell me, don't send your servant. And he just goes off in a huff and puff. So finally, you know, the servant's like, hey, if he told you to pat your head and rub your belly seven times, do it. Whatever it takes, do it. And so he goes and he goes and dips. And you know the story, he gets healed. Something interesting then happens in the dialogue. And this is going to show you why God was tied to the land. Nahum goes back to Elijah, and Elijah's finally talking to him. And he says, listen, I know that your God is real. I know that. I just want to let you know that there's like once a year, I got to take the king because he can't walk that well, and I got to help him, and I got to bow down with him to this other God. I got to bow down to him. But I'm, I'm, I'm only doing it because I got to do it for the king. Please. And Elisha says, that's okay. I understand what you're doing. That's okay. Because he knows that he's not bowing down to this God. He's bowing down because of the king. And Elisha says, I understand. You're, you're put in a terrible situation at work. That's okay. But then Nahum says something interesting. He says, is it okay if I can take as much dirt with me? Why would you ask for dirt? Because Nahum knew that God was over this land. That God was over this land and he wanted to take the dirt. He wanted to take the dirt back with him. Now, we don't know what happened and what Nahum did with the dirt, but I could just imagine that, that Nahum in his house says, Honey, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna lay out a little, little dirt here. And she's like, You better sweep that up before you... No, 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 no. no. Because the God who healed me is over this land. Now, that's just my thoughts what happened. But isn't it interesting that he wanted dirt, as much dirt as he could take? Why? Because he knew that God, our Heavenly Father, was over the land of Israel. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God? To understand this verse, you must understand that, the, that they're complaining. They're, they're upset because they think that God has forgotten about his kingdom, about his land, and his people in that land. So many times in our life, we forget that God is still over our land. He's over our home. He's over our family. He's over the very place that we walk because he is God of us. He's our God. And not only is he God of our life, but he's God of our home. That's why you can never stop praying for your family. You could never stop believing for your family because when they step presence in your home, 
and you are serving your God, he is not going to let that moment go by. He is not going to let that moment go by. That's why we pray, God, be with us, be in our home, be with us, God. And people have come over to our house. And uh, my friend Steve, he's a, he's a local photographer. He's got a good eye. He sees things. He sees things all the time. And he knows what aesthetics looks like, how things are supposed to look. And he walked into our home one day and he said, wow, this is a beautiful home. And we're thinking, man, we put it together with, with tape. You know, I mean, it just, we, but my wife does a great job decorating and doing everything. But he, he came and he complimented our home. It's not like, you know, we shop at the finest stores. It's not like we have furniture that hasn't been cleaned and washed and flipped because of the vomit stain on the other side of it. It's a home. But I really do believe that what Steve was referencing was, and I, I mean this with my heart, was that there's something special about this place. And I know what it is. My wife knows what it is. It's not us. It's the presence of God. You see, why do you complain? Why do you say that God is disregarding you? He's not. He is not only watching over you, but he's watching over your land. He's watching over your family. He's watching over you. And he has never turned his eye. That's why it's important to let the peace of God always reign in your home. It's important to put him first in everything you do. It's important to keep him the top priority of your home because he's God over the land. He's your God. Keep him close. Why do you complain, O Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded. Now notice what Isaiah says. Do you not know? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. You notice how Isaiah is putting God in the true perspective here. You're sitting here complaining, Israel, that God has ignored you. He's forgotten about you, that he's not interested over you or where you are, your land, your home, your family. You're sitting here and you're complaining and you're thinking that God has abandoned you. But God is the everlasting God, meaning that he never ends. He never ends. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, according to Hebrews. He is God who is everlasting. And notice what he says, the creator of the ends of the earth, that the one who established this realm that we live in, this place that we live in, the one who has created the sun and the moon and the stars, the one who brought water into this existence and light and all of the beautiful things of Genesis 1, it is that God and the God who created to the very ends of the earth everything that is inside of this place that's the God who is everlasting sometimes we need to put God in the context in the, in the position that he needs to be creator creator we forget that a lot but God is creator if you look all throughout the Bible people worship God as the creator and why do, we, why do we not worship God as a creator as much? Because it's hard because none of us were there. You know, we go to look up how, you know, the, the original footage of God creating the earth. Can't find it on YouTube. It's just so distant from us. 
But yet the people of the Bible never forgot the Creator. And why is that important? Because it is the God who spoke nothing into existence. It is the God who spoke absolutely nothing and made everything from it. That's why when God speaks to you, you better hold on to that promise. And you better not forget. Because when God speaks to you, it will come to pass. No matter how much you doubt it, no matter how much you think it's impossible, God is going to do it. When he speaks, that's why they worship him as the creator. Have you forgotten that it is God, the creator of this place, everything inside of it, that is watching over you? Just say it, Lord. Just say it, Lord. Because when you say it, it's going to come to pass. Have you forgotten? Have you not heard? That the creator of the ends of the earth is watching over you. And I love that it says in verse 28, he will not grow tired or weary. And his understanding no one can fathom. God is making things happen beyond our imagination and our own understanding. God is doing things that we cannot figure out. He is beyond us. And he is doing things and making things happen that we can't see because he does not grow tired or weary. I think one of the most beautiful things about the way God created us as human beings is he gave us this thing that we need called sleep. And even though we try to resist it and we try to caffeinate it and we try to do things in order for us to stay awake a little bit longer, at some point you're going to crash. At some point, you're going to crash. I never set an alarm in my, in, on my phone. I never set an alarm to wake up. Never. Except for Sunday morning. For some reason, I can sleep in on Sunday morning. I'm like you guys, right? Sunday morning, oh, it's news, you know? But I, don't, I never set an alarm. Why? Because I usually wake up early. But there are times, there are times where I may wake up extremely late, 7 a.m. I mean, that's like sleeping way late. But you know what? I've learned that my body needed the rest. We need rest. We can't just continue to go on and on and on. We, we get tired. We get sleepy. We get exhausted. And God created us with this limitation. And I believe it's one of the coolest things that God did. Because God is reminding us, you are you and I am not like you. I don't grow tired. I don't grow weary. And so finally when you are there resting and getting some sleep, I finally can do things on your behalf because you're too busy trying to make it happen. You're too busy trying to make it all come together if you just let me do it. And so I believe that God just says, okay, it's time to sleep. Put you to bed and say, okay, I can move on his behalf, on their behalf, on her behalf. You see, God is not going to give up on us. He is not going to grow tired or weary and he is going to do things beyond our understanding. Verse 29, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. I love this. I love this because the Bible says he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. That there is something about God who looks at us and says they're not even the strongest. They're not the sharpest. They don't have all the resources. 
Look at these people. They choose to live in a state and it's cold one day, hot the next day, and freezing ice the day after. They live in this state called Minnesota. They're crazy. Not as crazy as Iowa. I'm just saying, but crazy. <laughs> They're just normal people. They're just good people. But I'm going to take the weak. I'm going to take those, and we know in the New Testament, Jesus said, blessed are those who are poor in the spirit. Blessed are those who choose to be dependent upon God. Blessed. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. I want you to know that at your weakest moment in your life, God will display his greatest, his greatest power. Isn't that what he told Paul? Paul was praying, please take away these thorns. Please take away these things. I can't do it anymore. And God says that my grace is sufficient and my power is made perfect in what? Your weakness. Because when you finally recognize that you are limited and you only have so much resource, so much strength, so much ability, I can actually start doing the things that I want for you. It's okay to be weak. It's okay to be weary. It's okay because that's who we are. But we can depend upon God that he will not give up on us and he will give us the strength. I love that. Increase the power of the weak. Increase the power. That God turns up the volume and says, okay, we can do this. Here you go. I can do this. Just let me. And he brings strength to you. But he doesn't bring strength to us in our strength. He brings it in our weakness. Verse 30, even the youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall, bringing it to a close. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength and they will soar on wings like eagle and they will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. If you feel weak, if you feel like life is bringing you to this point where you just feel so overwhelmed and weary, this is a good time to start putting your hope in the Lord. This is a good time to start putting all of your hope, your dependency, your future in the Lord. Because when you do that, the Bible says that you will renew your strength. That you will soar on wings like eagle and run and not grow weary and walk and not be faint. It is because you choose to put your hope in the Lord. I'm telling you, God will do so many things if you just put your hope in him. So how do we put our hope in the Lord? You remember who he is. Stop complaining. Stop complaining. Stop thinking God doesn't see you. And just start believing that your God who is over your life and over your land, over your home, over your job, over your future, your God is the one who created all of this and he will speak things into existence for you. Because he does not sleep. He does not get tired. He will work on your behalf because he's the everlasting God. How do you put your hope in him? Just know who he is. Get into the word of God. I encourage you, read your Bible. 
It is one of the most valuable things that you can do. Read your Bible. And I, I know people have said over the years, I just don't like reading. I'll be honest. I didn't like reading when I was growing up either. Matter of fact, the only book I ever read in high school was the attendance book, just to make sure my name was marked down. I mean, I didn't hate reading. But then when I realized that, that God's Word was so important, I started reading. I fell in love with reading. I fell in love with reading. I just, why? Because it's God's word and it was life-giving. And all of a sudden, I started to find hope and joy and strength. So get into God's word. And when you read those stories in there, they're not just stories made up by Hollywood directors and movie producers. They are stories about God and who he is and what he can do and what he will do for you. Don't complain. Keep your hope in God. And whatever it is, Turn it over to him and say, okay, God, I'm weak. I can't do this, but I know that you can. And watch, he will bring strength back into your life. He will bring strength back into your life. And he will begin, you will begin to do things that you cannot do. That's because we put our hope in the Lord. Never give up on hope. It never disappoints.